Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My favorite part of the week, Tom Jones, former radio partner, joins me now. Tommy, what's been going on, man? What's up? I'll tell you what's been going on. So I go on Twitter, and there you are dropping names. I see you went. You hung out with our old buddy Frank Caliendo the other night. Well, I paid admission like everybody else, <laughs> so wasn't like wasn't like we were. Uh, you know, I didn't even know he was in town. Like, what? Like, well, first off, where was it? Where did you go? Like, it where, was at Side Splitters. The reason, I mean, it was right up here in Carrollwood near my house. Steve and I talked about this a little bit last night, but um, he uh, had a couple of shows. You know. You think about entertainment, right, in general, and, and of course, a lot of businesses and industries and just people all, all together have lost their jobs. There's a lot of hurt, a lot of pain out there in the last year and a half, um, two years, because of COVID. And if you think about the world of entertainment, especially if you're a comedian, right, and, and not that, you know, Frank does a lot of TV and, and uh, he had a podcast during this time, but he, you know, he, he's a comedian. I mean, he does stand up sure. uh, on occasion and... Um, you know, those guys haven't worked. And I, because of me, you know, the, the two of us, we would see Frank about once a year, it seemed when we did the radio show. And so we got to know him a little bit and he's mm-hmm. really the one of the most down to earth guys in the business. I, and they're you know not what, all Rick? like that. No, I'm telling you, like of all the guests we had, and we used to have comedians come in uh, fairly often, maybe fairly once regular. A, yeah. Yeah. Once a month or once, twice a month. Yeah. I could, he was the most down to earth, nicest guy. Mm-hmm. That that came in, and he was probably the biggest, the biggest of everybody that came in, or the most, you know, most well known. I mean, we had Anthony Gels that came in was mm-hmm. a pretty big deal, and we had some others, but uh, and they were all great. But um, but I thought Kelly Endo was like, he was like one, of, he was just like a regular guy. It's great. Well, you know, when he started, like he was, uh, he he got big. He was on Fox, right, for a while in the NFL. He got on Fox in the NFL, and and he did, uh, and then he had Frank TV. Remember that? Yeah. Um, where he had his own, um, his own comedy show uh, when he did most of the characters. Uh, and, and he used and to that, go on Letterman. Like Letterman loved him because Letterman loved his his Madden. Madden he was like yeah. the first guy to do Madden. You know? That's right, and he nailed it. He was, he, yeah. and he tells the funny story about meeting John Madden at, at the Dallas Super Bowl and. You know, Madden apparently never liked the imitation at all. You know, like it was just <laughs> which was dead on perfect. Well, it was and so he, good. he he just didn't like it because he thought he was making fun of him or whatever. And he goes and you know, I was in the lobby and he was there with his he's like really. And he goes, I didn't know because I knew he, I'd heard he didn't like it and I didn't know what to do. And so I I I kind of went up to him and I saw the kids, and he said, you know, it turns out they were his grandkids, and he just started doing Madden for the grandkids and they thought it was hilarious because it was like their grandfather talking, right? He's like, here's a guy here. Boom. You know, he started doing that. <laughs> and, and, and then Madden goes, ah, I get it. He makes kids laugh, you know? And so <laughs> after that, it was, I, mean, I hear a story one time where Dan Patrick, uh, was that, it was at some event with, uh, Lou Holtz and like somebody said, Hey, 
Dan, you should go do your Lou Holtz for. Uh, you do a very good Lou Holtz. Well, he, and he said, I guess Skip Holtz was there or something like that. Or one of the His kids. His son was there, yeah. Yeah, and he goes, go, you should go up and do Lou Holtz. And so they were all talking, I guess. I guess I hope I get this story right. But at some point, uh, Patrick said, he goes, uh, yeah, you know, I, I do your dad. He's like, uh, really? <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah. And he went, <laughs> we put our pants on the same way they do. And, and apparently Skip Holtz just like goes, yeah, it's nice meeting you. That's great. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it wasn't, he wasn't mad. He wasn't offended. It was just it's like, just eh, meh, yeah. walked away. Right. That's when you hit the mic. Is this thing on? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> That's not the reaction. Can't you're put at. our pants on the same way we do. Can't um, be Bill and Mary. <laughs> you can't, we can't be Bill and Mary. <laughs> but, uh, so but but Kelly, yeah, Kelly, so he, he talks to Madden and I, and, yeah, uh, so he went up to him, and then he, and then and then after he made fun with his uh, with his grandkids, that's that was his whole his whole stick was like you know, and he was funny. He said like you know we worked, and I said this last uh, the other day on the podcast when when he worked at Fox, like Fox didn't care who he made fun of. You know, he had Terry and Howie and you know, all those guys. Right. Not funny, not funny, not funny. You know, he did Terry <laughs> and and they didn't care. They're like ah, make fun of everybody, right? He goes when I went to ESPN, he was like they like uh listen, before you do this, like, give us an idea of what you're going to say and we're going to run it by... He goes, they were real nervous about anybody he did. He goes, it was just the opposite. It's like, you know, uh, uh, you're going to do Berman? What, what does Berman <laughs> sound like? He's like... He goes, he really didn't say anything. He just makes all these sounds, right? And so they were real nervous about offending some of the, you know, some of the iconic... ESPN guys. Yeah, he and, did him, uh, and he did like Kuiper, and he did you know. Yeah, he did, yeah. Tot, 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 tot. And he did all. You know, did Schefter, according to my sources. He did all those guys, and then of course the big one. I mean, it was funny because about the time Madden was retiring, Gruden took over right on Monday Night Football, right? And and so he was at ESPN. So Gruden became sort of his next Madden in a way, you know, because right. John was hot as an announcer, and uh, I told the story the other night that. Um, you know when he when uh, when Gruden, you know Gruden Gruden has a little bit of an ego as you might imagine, and but he was sort of he was sort of uh, I think he was kind of like liked it. You know what I mean? Unlike Madden, who who had heard it and didn't like it, I think John was kind of kind of into it a little bit. John Gruden, it, yeah. yeah, he thought it was a uh, right. John Gruden, he thought it was kind of a term of endearment, but he hadn't heard him. So he goes, when I first met him, um. And I apologize if you guys heard this the other day, but he said when I first met him, he told a story in the comedy club. Uh, he went up to him, and and John goes, "You're the guy that does me. How you do me?" And and so he goes, "I I had looked up where John was from, you know." And and he goes, "So he asked me, he says, well, so where are you, where are you from? Where are you from, Frank?" And he goes, "I'm from Sandusky, Ohio, man." <laughs> <laughs> and he goes. You're blowing my mind, man. <laughs> so they had that little interaction, but yeah, have you that's, ever? That's the, the. By the way, it's for somebody like Frank Caliendo. It it's uh, hopefully it's easier. But I have you ever like you do a lot of imitations. I do imitations. I do we some, do imitations yeah. of people that nobody knows. You know, <laughs> that's right. But like people, like people. Well, we some people know. Yeah. Ira but Kaufman I, and others. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ira Kaufman. I mean, we used to both do, Gary Shelton, who used to work at our paper. Like you know. Yep. And I actually had, uh, like, I've had this happen where people come up and say, "I heard you do an imitation of me," and I actually, really? had, Gary, I had Gary actually did that to me one time. 
he comes up to me and he said, we were in, we were covering the Stanley Cup finals. I think we were in Detroit one of the years that the Red Wings had won. And Gary was there. And Gary walks up to me and goes, I hear you do a hell of an invitation to me. <laughs> and I go, who told you that? And he goes, Les Bowen. And Les Bowen's from the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, and I, or Daily News at the time. And I look over, and Les Bowen's on the ground laughing. And now, and now all of a sudden, now you got to try to do now you have to do the it, imitation, but you, you got to do them flatteringly. You can't, right, you know, yeah. right. And I never, you know, we did, we weren't. It was just, you know, that I, that imitation I did was about it. it wasn't yeah. like really making fun of him or anything. Right. But it's an intimidating thing when somebody says, "Okay, do do an imitation." I hear you do me. Yeah. Like, well, maybe I don't know. Not really. Well, they, yeah. It's funny because he's so good in that, um, you know, at the at the end of his show, it was like watching the 4th of July when you get to the finale and they just shoot all the fireworks up at one yeah, time. Yeah. And he was actually taking requests, which I've never seen. Who do you guys want to hear? That's great. You know, I'll tell you what, Rick. It was great. I, like, we interviewed a lot of people when we did the radio show. You know, we'd have, like, yeah, three, oh, yeah. three guests a show, probably. Some, sometimes more. Sometimes more. <laughs> and and then we, we would, you know, we would which interview. I wanted more of me, less of you. <laughs> exactly. It was incredible. Unbelievable. But we would, so we would interview, you know, I'm trying to think who were the biggest people we would interview in terms of, like, sports people. Like, we'd have... You know, Jimbo Fisher was on. We had Cal Ripken in time. Cal one Ripken time. was in there. Yeah. And it was funny with the sports guys. You know, we had Coop, John Cooper once a week. We never got nervous. When, well, we were supposed to have John Cooper once a week. Well, that's true. He was, <laughs> he was hit or miss. <laughs> but he was. Mostly we would, miss. We would have these guys. And, and I don't know, maybe it was because we were around sports all the time. I was never nervous about, you know, you, no matter who you had on, you didn't. We were never nervous about it. The only time I got a little bit nervous is when we would have comedians in because. It's, you know, we, we're trying to set them up, but we're not trying to overshadow them. It's five, you know, six o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. These guys are exhausted. Right. And like you tell the old joke about, um, you know, it's like wedding crashers. Like, right. Make, you know, make me a bicycle climb. Like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like they, their, their job is comedy. So, so when somebody shows up, it's kind of like. You know, when I go on a, a radio show or even to a party, right? Like, the, and you've, you've experienced this. People want to talk. They know what you do or they find out what you do. And, and they immediately, you know, want to want to ask you about Tom Brady, which I know nothing of. Um, and so, you know, you feel an obligation. It's like, okay, I get it. I, you know, I cover sports. They think this is cool. Uh, I don't want to do this all night, but I'll, I'm okay with it. I'll talk. But when you're a comedian, it's like, what do you, you like, you kind of want to, you want them to feel good. You want to, you want to make, first of all, as a host, you want to make every guest feel great and comfortable sure. and, and look good. You want them to look good. Well, sound and they're good. on there for whatever they do, whether they're it's promoting. football right. expertise yeah. or right. Whatever or they're doing funny, being funny. Yeah. Right. And so you want to set them up, but some guys at that, at, you know, after taking the red eye from California and getting in there and, and having no sleep, they don't, they don't feel like, you know, they're not getting, they're not at the club. They don't feel like it's their job to be funny all the time. So you don't, you don't want to say, you know, tell me a joke clown, you know, like it's, but, but then by the same token, they kind of understand it and some will play along and some have zero interest in doing their act while they're, while they're with you. Well, we used to, when we, when we bring them in, like we used to talk, you know, we'd obviously have, we were like in commercial break when they would come into the studio and we'd introduce ourselves or whatever. We'd never met him before. And then we would usually say to them like, Hey, is there anything you want us to set you up with? Like, That's you right. want and you, and almost, I don't, I don't know if you remember Rick, but like, 
pretty much like 99% of the time you're like, nope, let's just talk. We'll talk sports. We can talk about whatever you want. Like just, yeah. and it, Which is and, worse because now you're like, geez, I don't know where to go with this. Right, exactly. But usually, fortunately, the, they're, these people are they're funny. So they, they don't need our help make, making them funny. No, no. You know? But yeah, true. at the same time, like, here, like, like a lot of times they would come in and say, so this is a sports show, right? Because as soon as they would leave our show, they're going to FLA. They would go to in. WFLA and talk to Jack Harris, which is a, you know a, politi- a new show. Right. And then they would go to Cowhead, which right. is you know morning you know comedy. You know that's Mike Colta to you and me, right? Yeah. And or uh, and then next thing you know, as we're doing, I, I don't know how many times Rick, you and I would do the show. We had TVs in the studio, yeah. and we'd have like Good Day Tampa Bay on one of the screens. Oh and yeah, look up we and, did. An hour later, there they are on TV. So they're doing like seven of these. They're just going through the washing machine. They're there doing like seven of these in the morning. Yeah. And everyone's different. And our audience, we're trying to be a little cleaner, you know, like maybe what we would talk about is different than what Calta would talk about or whatever. Sure. And different and even different than what the TV would talk about. So yeah. um, that, it, that was the only time I ever got like sort of like a little... I was glad when those were over. I was a little nervous. I was glad when those were over. Caliendo, meanwhile, like I couldn't wait for him. He was great. And I, again, all of them except for one. <laughs> Which was, was weird, right? Because, I mean, okay, so you and I both grew up. Um, I was, I'm still a Saturday Night Live fan. Me too. I, I mean, I go, back, I go back to the beginning when I was a kid. And, and, you know, you had Dan Aykroyd and, you know, Bill Murray and John sure. Belushi and all those guys. Gilda Radner, all that. Gilda Radner, yeah, all that jane Curtin, all that stuff so you know that's 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 the beginning of the show and then you know through the years the eddie murphy's i mean all the match so i'm a saturday night live fan me too I, to I rem- well i remember john lovitz as one of the great saturday night live comedians right like he had his own he wasn't eddie murphy you know i'm not going to tell you that that or phil hartman but he had a fairly significant role. Right. He used to do the thing like, yeah, my wife, Morgan Fairchild. That's yeah, right. that's the ticket. Yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah. So it was a catchphrase that he invented with one of his characters, you know. And um, and then we had him on. <laughs> and I mean, not wanting to be there is one thing, but like just like zero interest in in in, in like talking about almost anything. It was, and I don't think he was being a jerk. Like he wasn't no, a jerk. Was a, like he answered questions. Right. I just don't think. And, I, and maybe it was our fault as much as it his. might have been. And I, but I just it, that we never caught the rhythm. And maybe he's a shyer, you know, shy guy. You see him on TV. You see people on Saturday Night Live. That's yeah. you know, that's an act. They're they're yeah. entertainers. And again, it was seven o'clock in the morning. And right. I like I I would never I wouldn't say he was like a bad guy. He wasn't like a jerk. And I'm like oh you know, but it was just like. Boy, that was ten minutes of like tumbleweeds coming through. Like, it was. It was. It was like crickets. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could, you know, it's that pregnant pause in the in the Clint Eastwood movie when they have nothing. It's just like a tense moment. Yeah. And the music cues up. <laughs> like, I looked at you. You looked at me, and there was what they I'm call like, dead air in radio. I'm out. You never like, want. I don't know what it's else. Like, that, and again, and again uh, I don't want to make thanks. it look like we're ripping John Lovitz. We're. It no. was just a weird segment. It was I different. What was worse than having uh, a comedian in there and, and thinking, you know, the pressure you felt, which I felt as well, is when you weren't there. I had to do one guy uh, came in, to, and he was great, to, for a comedy club. I can't remember who it was, but I was just me. 
And then now you're asking every question. And it's nice to have that little break where we go back and forth and play a little table tennis there with the with the questions. Because you could be thinking of a next question while they're right. talking. Right. But, yeah. you, but, you know, with these guys, you want to listen to their answer. Like you and laugh kind of, if they're being funny. Yeah, and play yeah. off of what they're saying and, and try to go to another, you know, um, okay, speaking of politics or, you know, speaking of sports or whatever. Who's your favorite team? You know, like you, you want to listen to them. But, like, I was trying to get in my mind, like, where am I going with this next question? Like, that <laughs> that was even worse, was being there by yourself, because at least we could bat it back and forth. But um, but Frank was always, you know, gracious, and, and uh, I think he took a liking to us for whatever reason. Well, I tell you, um, well, don't say what forever. I know exactly why he took a liking to us, and it was because of you, and it's because you do Gruden, and you do Gruden very well. And and you were, like, it was pulling teeth, and I get it. I had, I actually know why you, you did this, but it came up. I think Derek Sharp might have brought up to Caliendo, like, hey, he does a really good Gruden. And you're like, no, no, don't do, don't do that. Like, this is Caliendo. It's like, it's like, it's yeah, like I don't bring, want to sing it's like bringing with Bobby Pavarotti. You it's know like, what yeah, I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, it's like bringing Bobby Flay in and goes, hey, you know, Rick cooks a really nice steak. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> wait a minute. That's right. But Caliendo was like, I want to hear it. And so you did it, and Caliendo was like, oh, my gosh, that's so good. Like, it was great. Now, maybe what he didn't realize is, like, you were actually doing Caliendo, doing Gruden. Although you, were, you, would, although I you, was would, uh, you were doing Gruden a long time before that, actually, because you did Gruden back in the old days yeah. when you actually covered him. Caliendo loved it and thought it was tremendous, and it wasn't just being nice. And he didn't care that, like, you guys basically did dueling Cali, uh, Gruden. We did a Gruden off. We did a Gruden off. And it was great. And it was yeah. great radio, and Caliendo loved it. And that's why he took a liking to us, because he really respected your Gruden. He really thought it was, was unbelievable. And it was. Well, you know what's funny about him? Like, uh, the other night, I'm at uh, Side Splitters. and um... <laughs> By the way, Side Splitters. That's always like, I bet, do, do I want to go to a place that my side's going to split open? Like, all the comedy places are funny. I think it's they have funny names. But it's a perfect name, though, right? It is. I yeah, mean, it's like, like you, you do. All my side you know, got that my, my side hurts. I'm laughing so hard, right? Like, <laughs> I got this cramp in my side. Like, well, I don't know why. I think it's your diaphragm. I have no idea. But uh, first of all, have you been in a comedy club of late? Like, was no, it, when was I the can't. last time you went to a comedy club? Because I got to thinking about this, and I'll tell you how long ago it was. But... Like if I had to, if I had to say, you know, your children or or the truth, like what, when, how long ago? Oh, it's been twenty, more than twenty, maybe twenty years. See, it was was for me too, and I remember yeah. what it was. Um, back in the day, Ron Bennington of the uh, Ron and Ron Show, when they were on fire, right? Like oh, yeah. they they were they would get ten thousand people for a a location show, right? Remember that. Sure. Um, yeah, no. And they were just, they were the best. And uh, and Diaz was still really good even when he retired a year ago. Um, but Bennington was, was, he was a professional comedian. I mean, he yeah. did, like, that was his job. And they had a club on Tierra Verde, I want to say. Uh, or not when I say they, not Diaz, but like Bennington, he would occasionally host a comedy club. And I don't know if it was his or not, but because I can't remember the specifics. It's been too long ago. Was that, but wasn't I, actually called Bennington's, but I don't, it, maybe I'm might, wrong it might have been. I yeah, may be totally wrong I mean, but he was like the host, though. Like he, when yeah. you went there, he, he the would MC get up and he was the MC, and he he'd do a couple minutes or a couple jokes, and uh, most of which I couldn't tell on this podcast. Although one of the funniest jokes I ever heard, he told. But anyway, uh, so he uh, would get up there, and and I swear to you, that had to be the last comedy club. Well, Size Blues, it's a fairly, I guess, as comedy clubs go, it's a fairly large club. But man, let me just tell you, sardines think that they had, you know, that they had more room than we did. Like I, 
I'm a little claustrophobic, but during COVID, I'm more claustrophobic. If that makes sure. sense, even though I've been, I've been vaccinated twice, doesn't matter. Um, and and most people were there too, I assume. But you know, you sit at these little cocktail tables, like literally cocktail table. You get four glasses on that table, you're doing well. And then there's four chairs around each table. Right. So we were kind of in the back, up against the wall, literally. And um, this place, I'm guessing it held maybe 200 people, maybe 250. I don't know. I really mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, but it's all pad, it's all sound, you know, equipped and it's black, you know, the walls are black. Sure. Like, it's just a comedy club and it was really interesting and they got the brick wall behind it, you know, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the whole thing. But, um, it's been a while. It's really funny to see sort of who goes right. And everybody goes there. Obviously you want to laugh and, and these guys were great and you do laugh and it's, it's, it was a great audience. They raved about the audience. That's by the way. I learned the easiest way to to uh, to to hit it off with an audience is tell them how great they are. <laughs> like that <laughs> that has to be a comedic trick, right? Like, right. what an audience tonight! My goodness, you guys are, give yourselves a hand. You know, it's like okay. I uh, go ahead. No, I, it's the end of my bit. I, well, I was I I went the last. I'm trying to think. The last comedy club I went to was I was covering the Stanley Cup Finals for, mm-hmm. and I forget for which paper. I don't know if I was in Minnesota at the time or what, but. New Jersey Devils were in the finals. And so we were we went to a bunch of us writers, you know, from around the country in Canada, went to a comedy club in the village in New York City. And in Greenwich Village? In Greenwich Village. And uh and Fred Willard was standing outside. He was there just to watch. What the and, weather guy? No, Fred Willard, the guy from uh, you know, actor was waiting for Guffman, best in Oh, Fred stuff. Willard. Okay, Fred gotcha. Willard, yeah. Got yeah, oh, no, yeah, not... Who am I thinking of? Willard Scott. You're thinking yeah, of Willard Yeah, there you Scott. go. Okay. No, Fred, Fred Willard. And here's what's happening in your neck of the woods. <laughs> <In your> ne- <laughs> exactly. Um, but no, Fred Willard, who just passed away, like, I think, in the last year or so. Oh, but, um, sorry about that. No, no. But anyway, so, uh, so, so, we, uh, so, so we go, and it was one of, one of those things. It was like a Friday night, and they had, like, the A-line up there. And I don't know how it worked for, with Silence Wars. We saw like 12 comedians and they'd come out and they'd do like 10 minutes each. And I'm telling you, Rick, like the first guy would come out and was like, oh, okay, that's a little bit funny. And then the second guy came out and was like, eh, he was okay. And then like, you know, the third, maybe a woman or something to come out and she would do her thing. It was like, okay. And then it would be a bad one, just like somebody who did something really weird, almost like a, had had like a, it had like a bit, like a carrot head or Gallagher or whatever. It was like, it was like props and stuff. Then all of a sudden they hit their stride, like five, six, seven, eight comedians. You're laughing so hard. You're like, I swear to God, I can't laugh any harder. Like, I'm now getting sick. <laughs> and, like, and it's like, please stop. No more. Don't bring anybody else oh, up. No right one now. funnier you than start, that. And it starts to become, like, uncomfortable. You're like, oh, your head hurts. And it's like, oh, they almost, like, know what they're doing. Like, then they have a guy that comes out and, they, like, cleanses the palate. Like, okay, he's not as funny, so let's, let's me recover here. We're going to bring him when, down. And then it's just, like, then it's through the roof. And it's like. You're just by the end of it, you're feeling like your face hurts and you're. It's, it's funny you say that because when I, uh, by the time we got out of there, I didn't feel sick, but I I did feel fatigue. I felt like I had given a lot to that show. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like like I had exerted myself, so I must have had a good time because I did laugh a lot. And um, how good was it to get? Uh, have you done much like post like since COVID? Have laughing? Re- no, like getting out, like going out for I the have first time. Tom, I have not cracked a smile until last <laughs> <week>. <laughs> No, but for the first time last weekend, 
our old buddy Joe Smith from The Athletic and Dirk Shad, uh, photographer from the, the Tampa Bay Times, and I got together. We went into downtown St. Pete and had a couple of beers uh, on a weekend night. And it was, was the first that, time. Was that new? Was that? Yeah, it was the first time I had done that since like February of 2020. Like oh, wow. I went and we hit a couple of bars and played darts and did the whole, you know. And um, it was like you appreciate it more it was no nothing special like i said it was a couple of beers it wasn't like we had a crazy night yeah but it was the first night i'd really gone out and said okay this is like kind of normal again i'm living did on you normal feel com- life. you felt completely safe you felt i did i mean i've yeah. been vaccinated and i don't know what that you know i'm trusting the science i've been vaccinated yeah. i'm clear i mm-hmm. i'm assuming i'm i'm protected so i feel that way too what was what was interesting is that, um, and again, I, I assume everybody was that was in there. Maybe not. No one was wearing a mask. Obviously, it wasn't required. But um, when you're in a very crowded place for the first time, and because of the pandemic, there was a part of me that was like, "Ooh, I wonder if this is okay." Like just that little yeah, sure, no, voice in the it. back of your mind that that says, "Ah, I don't. Are we this normal?" You know. But look, the reality is, is that we're going to see this, um, and we are seeing it in sports, right? With with the arenas now filling up, I think what the uh, the Rays have opened it up to twenty thousand. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe um, that's right. I think I, I think. Well, the know, hockey the playoffs, Lightning, everybody's been full. Yeah. Yeah, they're up to fourteen, fourteen, fifteen thousand. So I think I some arenas are like full stadiums, like right. Some, some are, something. some are, and I can guarantee you that the NFL will have thirty-two teams playing with packed stadiums. They will not space one seat if they can sell it particularly this one um oh by the way if you think you're getting tickets to a bucks game next year <laughs> save your money i mean really? you're gonna Back oh, to the old days there's not gonna be a seat not a seat you know how they used to sell single game tickets i don't think yeah. you're gonna see one i don't think wow. it's going to exist. You have to i have one. another quick question for you and i don't know if you can answer it and i because i haven't followed as closely as i should even though i'm <laughs> cover media so what's the latest now with in terms of the NFL and locker rooms, are they? No, nah, you know what? Um, they're not there yet in terms of like, you know, setting protocols for media just, and I think the reason is they got time, right? Like there's no, why would you jump out ahead of, of your schedule when you don't need to um, just go ahead and wait and see where the virus is, see where the vaccinations are, all of that, including the teams, right? Because, the the players, much like baseball, they're offering incentives to the players. If you get over a certain percentage, what you can do on the road, um, vaccinated players versus non-vaccinated. And they're really, if you're not vaccinated as a player, um, you're going through the same protocols as you, you're being tested every day. If you come into contact with somebody with COVID, they're going to take you off the field. You may not play. Um, it's It's very almost punitive in a sense, and deliberately so, because they want – the majority, if not all, their players vaccinated, um, and and I don't know. I've read various reports that some guys are not really jumping on it. Like some of them are like, mm, uh, they're not getting as many vaccinations as they as they would like. Well, Sam Darnold came out the other day, right, and said, "Yeah, I'm not. I need more time." Yeah, I'm not and, sure. and and I don't think that's going to be that unusual. I think there's going to be a lot of players that feel that way, and because of that, um, even though we're vaccinated or I'm vaccinated as a journalist or those that are. I still don't think I look, let's not be naive. The NFL doesn't the players in particular, and maybe the NFL, they don't want open locker rooms again. You know, I think that's a thing of the past. And, and do I believe it's COVID? No. Um, no more than I believe that that players didn't want to go to OTAs because of COVID. You know, it had nothing to do with that. They simply 
went through a year where it wasn't required, everything went fine, we're taking our time back. We want our time back. We don't want to practice football in June. This is stupid. And by the way, having watched Tom Brady go out there for two days, the last couple of days, it is stupid, right? I'm telling you, they were so good. Just and it's, I know it's 7-on-7, 11 on 11, 11, 11, shorts, no pads, all that, right? But I've watched enough football and enough practices. They could have gone out there without ever having done anything officially for five months, and they would have beaten half the teams on their schedule with the execution they, 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 they came back with. Forget about moving forward with. Right. The execution they came back with, they could have beaten half the teams on their schedule, I believe. So it's not necessary. Right. It's just not. But I don't, I don't know what it's going to be. I think what we're going to have is, you know, baseball starting to loosen up the protocols where I guess they're talking to players on the field with masks but standing in front of them, right. which is nice, and, and getting some groups and, and maybe even a one-on-one here or there. I don't know. Um, but I think what we're going to see is press conferences. I think we're going to see vaccinated journalists talking to players who are on a podium, multiple players, and maybe a, a, a sort of a one-off every now and then. Um, uh, but I don't think we're going to see open locker rooms, which is disappointing. We've had that conversation, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to come back all the way. That's too bad because I think it's the the more we can get back to normal. And we've we've talked about this story a lot, and I, and I know you had a, you had a story a couple of weeks ago, or with well, last week on OJ Howard that I know was born out of the fact that you have a, a, relationship, a relationship with him that goes yeah. back since the day he was drafted. That's correct. And, uh, and you would not have gotten that story. Not a if, chance. If you had just, like, so whoever, you know, whoever's been drafted in the last year or whoever's new to the Bucks, you're not going to, you couldn't have done that story you know, over the last year because you don't have the relationship with somebody that just joined the Bucks within the last year. You well, you don't. do the best you can. I mean, I, you know, I did do a story on Tristan Wirfs. I didn't go to his hometown in Iowa. I did talk to his mom. They're like, you find other ways, right, to try to, Oh yeah, you adjust. I'm just saying that it's not. It's not, it's, not gonna, it's not the same. No. No, and, I couldn't see his hometown. I couldn't feel it. I couldn't talk to other people in his family. It's not the same quality of of insight, and that's what we're trying to do. And we we talked about this, and and there's nothing we can do to change it necessarily. But um, yeah, you'd hope that um, that it gets back to that. But I, you know, I'm beyond the point of trying to guess sort of what the NFL season would be, but. I don't know. I mean, I know you don't. You know, you covered hockey. I don't know what their training camps and things were like, or what they did in the off season. Is there another sport like? You know, I know baseball doesn't do this. I mean, when they're off, they're off. They come back, pitchers and catchers in February, but no one is, no one is showing up and and throwing a bullpen at ninety six miles an hour. In no, November, I, in I mean the only the only thing December. The only thing I can think. Okay, here's a couple of things that that you could argue with that no off season is longer than the football off season. I mean, they basically most teams, not every team, most shut it most down teams in, are done in December. And it's December, You're right? First of week of January, whatever. Yeah. And then they don't see them. If if there was no off OTAs, they wouldn't see those players until July. So we're talking seven months. Whereas hockey, it, you know, usually you're done by April, mid April, or and since half the teams make the playoffs, basically end of April. So you got May, June, July, August, and then you're back in September. So you're talking about four months off. And same thing with baseball. The season ends in, well, I mean, baseball has a pretty decent October league. if you October, get there. But September, well, first of October, right? And then, yeah. And then you're 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 usually coming back sometime in February, or right. late February. Um, so football off season's a little bit a little bit longer. Rick, right. I, 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 you and I have talked a little bit about this before. I think 
uh, coaches in the NFL are such control freaks that I think it's just a way to check in on them to make sure no one's going getting stupid out of shape and going crazy in the offseason. It's a way to basically like keep tabs on making sure everybody's, uh, you know, doing, doing, doing a few calisthenics in the offseason and not eating nachos and hot dogs every night. Uh, but, I mean, are we, I aren't we past the point of professional athletes in this day and age to where, look, you're not going to last long in any league, right, if you don't take care of yourself. True. In fact, you can't get into shape. That, that doesn't exist. It used to be back in the day, even, even 20 years ago when they started OTAs or whatever, it was, you know, we're going to have this so guys can get into shape. Now the, the whole thing is these guys don't get out of shape. Um, you know, no one, no one is going to, to end the season and go, you know what, I'm going to eat all the pizza and candy and, and put on my good 30 pound off season. And then I'll work it off, uh, in training camp. It doesn't go like that. It hasn't been like that for a very long time. So, and I, I can appreciate the other sports have maybe, maybe less time off, but you know what? The other sports don't play football. They're not, they're not football. I mean, hockey Yes, a lot of contact. They're the toughest people in the world. I, I, I mean, I have all the respect in the world for hockey players. Um, but they're they're still physically able to play 80-something games a year. You're not going to play 80 games a year in football. You can't do it. It's impossible. Right. So well, from that standpoint, I'm like, yeah, okay, so their offseason is longer. But you know what? They only play once a week for a reason because it's a car wreck. Right. You know, and, and you just you need that time to get your body back together and and to minimize the wear and tear on it. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. How much so. do you think, how much do you think too, Rick, is that more than any other sport, football, there's, there's a lot more strategy and coaching involved. In other words, basically like every play, they have a meeting to talk yes, about what the next that, play is going to be. Now that's real. Now meetings, but see, no, I mean when I say meeting, I, I'm basically saying a huddle. You basically huddle, no, no, no. or or the coach yeah. talking in a, in a quarterback's ear, like we're going to coach you on every single play. It's a lot. It's a lot to install. It's a lot of terminology. Right. It's a lot of moving pieces that you have to sort of um, understand the playbook. You know, from you know almost to the point where you can visualize what's going on, and to that point, like a lot of guys learn differently, right? Some people can look at something two-dimensionally on a piece of paper and go, I got it. I know where I'm supposed to be. Other guys have to actually be on the grass and move around to figure it out. Like, right. that's just that's the way they learn. They're visual. Um, great example of that. I remember when Les Steckel, remember him? Yeah. Uh, the former Bucks offensive coordinator in Tony Dungeon one year, he used to be, uh, this had the same position with Tennessee Titans, and, and his quarterback was Steve McNair. And Steve McNair was an unbelievable player. Um, but when he got him, you know, McNair had, had a little more difficulty. The way he learned was not on a chalkboard in a two dimensional drawing. And so he discovered this when he was trying to, you know, go through the playbook and talk about plays and things. And he realized that Steve was struggling with it. 
And so, like, he was at some restaurant or whatever, and he took the salt shakers and and the various tableware or whatever and started moving the pieces around, and the guy was dead on. He got it. You know, he could see it three-dimensionally. So everybody learns different. So I think from a, you know, yes, there was a lot of information to digest, and they, they absolutely need, particularly young players, rookies. There's no way you can show up in August and, and contribute if you haven't been through a ton of classes and a ton of playbooks and got really into the X's and O's and understanding where you're supposed to be. So from that standpoint, I think it's useful because football is 11 guys doing the right thing at the right time all the time. But as far as the physicality part of it and having to be there and, 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 you know, sweat and, and, and go through all that, I just think it's, I don't think it's very useful. I don't think so either, but I also think there from and I've covered every sport as of, as have you. I don't. I've never seen a more paranoid, control freak. The worst than than football coaches at every the worst. level. The worst. And and I I do think. I mean, there's this. And look, I don't. I've never done the job, so I'm not going to sit there and say they. You know, they don't need all this. I'm telling you, Rick. I think half the coaches in the league sleep in their office and stay up until one o'clock every night of the week, getting ready for a game. Because they're worried that the other coach on the other side is doing the same thing. It's almost like, it's almost like the proliferation of arms. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to build more nuclear weapons because you might have one more than me. And it, if we just told all coaches like you have to close your building at six o'clock, I think the games would still come off on Sunday and be okay. You know? Yeah, uh, they would be. So, and I, I think so. That's part of the off season too. Like, oh well, we got to meet. I mean, we got to work hard in these OTAs because I tell you what. New Orleans Saints are working hard. Sean Payne's working but if, hard to But if, if that rule didn't exist, in other words, if you weren't unable, if the union and the league agreed that we may meet, but we're not going to be in the same building together, we're not going to require guys beyond a couple days here or there, if everybody would agree to that, then I think they would play, they'd all play the same game. Um, but you're right. It, it, is, it, is, it is different in football, and it doesn't, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be. You know, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I think we've gotten to the point where Ray Perkins told me this. The first coach I covered with the, with the Bucks said that um, the reason he worked so many hours was exactly as you said. That's the one thing I can control. I know one thing about me as a coach. Nobody's going to outwork me. I will be in this office. I will I will study as much tape. You know, there might be a reason we lose. It won't be because they worked harder than me. Well, and and that's that's sad. Yeah, it but, is but it, sad but because it, and but at the is. end of the day, it it didn't help them that much. You know, no, I mean, because there's a difference between working hard and long and working smart. Right. You know, I think there's a difference there. I just think a lot of coaches are, you know, they're. I think they spend all that time working because they they're worried that the other guy's doing the same thing. You know. Well, they can control what they can control, which is right. effort. You know. Right. You can control your effort. You can't control. What happened? How the ball bounces on Sunday, or whether you're better than the guy across from you on the sideline. But by gosh, I'm I'm not going to lose because I wasn't prepared. I would be. I would just be curious. And I don't. I'm not. I'm not acute. You know. I'm not saying I know the answer to this. I would be interested in how much different a if if you have a coach that stays at the office till midnight working yeah. every day during the week. If he went home at nine o'clock every night that week, how much of a difference there would really be on Sunday? Thirty like, percent. Would that? Would it? Would, I mean, would it? Yeah, I mean, would it? I mean, I mean, do they really find stuff in those hours that make a difference, or or are we just we're just work we're just going over the same stuff over and over? I don't know the answer. Again, I'm not a, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying I would be curious to know 
really truly are you just are you just painting over the same lines you know like could be i mean it's a great question and i think that you know for some guys they they probably they probably benefit from it and i think the balance of them probably don't you know again what are we looking at i mean i knew guys that would watch film and watch film for hours they didn't know what the hell they were looking for <laughs> you know what i mean like you i can sit here and watch as much film as you want i could turn on the all 22 and watch you know every game that the opponent has played but what am i looking for what am i what are, what are the keys what are, what are the things that i'm trying to figure out while i watch that tape you know so didn't um, Tony Dungy famously like would send coaches home like if they were there too too late? Well, he would he would do a couple things. On Tuesdays, he had the families come into the building, which was unprecedented at the time. Um, you know, coaches didn't go home. Uh, you know, Tuesdays is a player day off, but it's when the coaches put in the game plan. You know, it's when they look at the tape and they're going to present the game plan on Wednesday when the players come back from their one off day. And Tony's thing was look we're spending way too much time. You know, this is important. This is what we do with the NFL. We get it. But if you're sacrificing your family or you're not going to a recital and you know, Bruce Arians to his credit is like that too. Bruce is, Bruce will tell you, he goes, I'll fire you. If I hear you didn't make it to a recital and you get something that your son or your daughter was going and you stayed here, like I'll fire you. Um, and I think that that, that work life balance is so difficult in professional sports in a lot of professions, right? If you're a doctor, a lawyer, sure. whatever you do, sports writer. Um, and I think that and some is, people have no choice. Like they have yeah, to work. Or absolutely. They don't get a paycheck, right? That's right. Or they can't support their family. They might have three jobs. Right. Right. And, and I don't begrudge anybody that, but if you can control it or in Tony's case, he invited the families to come in on Tuesday nights to have dinner and they would come in there'd be kids around. That's when we saw, we would see Eric Dungy when he was a little kid and, you know, various people uh, and get to know their kids. But, you know, it was neat because it was a, it was a family atmosphere. I think it, it took a lot of pressure off those families and, um, you know, got to spend time with dad and, and be around, you know, other coaches. And it was cool. So I, I, I do think that in any profession, if you can get that balance, that's great, um, including podcasters. So... <laughs> Uh, there's that too. So, what we got going on at uh, Pointer dot org? Uh, well, some interesting stuff um, coming out of the Department of Justice. Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, is going to meet with the um, some of the heads of, at the Washington Post, New York Times, CNN, because the previous administration uh, began looking at the phone and email records of certain reporters at those news organizations. And it's continued under the Biden administration, basically like whenever we see these leaks that come out mm-hmm. of the, uh, the government, uh, you know, the, the, out of the white house, um, under Trump, they wanted to figure out where these leaks coming from. And they felt the best way to do it was like, let's look at the records of the reporters, which mm-hmm. is a problem. <laughs> I mean, we should not be, you know, you got a leak in your office. Don't come after the press to, Right. And so so apparently uh, it's happened. It's continued to happen under the Biden administration. And now supposedly it has stopped. But the attorney general is going to meet with um, with the heads of the Post and the Times. And what was really weird about that whole thing was that um, this has been going on for some time. But the lawyers for those news organizations were gagged. There was a gag right, order, which is another issue, which so they couldn't be- even they couldn't even talk about it. Right. right. To, to even their own clients. In other words. I think it was Barbara Starr uh, with CNN was the one mm-hmm. that they wanted to get the phone records of. 
And CNN couldn't go to Barbara Starr and say, hey, they're looking at all your emails and phone records. Right, like, Jeff, so, yeah, Jeff Zucker was was yeah. unable to talk about it to president of CNN. Right, so, or yeah, you so accept that, a court. That's one of the uh, that's one of the big stories that's going on right now. So, there how would go. you feel if somebody looked at our emails or text messages? Uh, I think they first off they'd be bored. They would be <laughs> they would be thoroughly <laughs> surprised. What's for how, dinner, honey? That's <laughs> <laughs> about what. Oh, oh God, dinner again? Pretty you much. Worry about that? Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and emails from FanDuel, so that's pretty, and, and draft. <laughs> Do you play FanDuel? DraftKings a little bit, yeah. Just you really know, da- daily fantasy. Stuff. You old yeah. gambler, you. Uh, you know, I wish, and I'm waiting for the state of Florida anytime. Joey, Joey Wendell tonight. You know, he banged a double. You, he was I cheap. I would have uh, liked to have. Um, I wish they would allow like game day betting, like on games, like where I ah. could, where I could take uh, the bucks in. So you can do that now that you're not a sports Cannot writer. do no, I can't do that. You can't do it in the state of Florida legally. Oh, why well, I mean legally. Point. But like if you could do it, you could do it simply because you don't cover sports as much. I mean or That's that's true. All. Although I don't know if it's like insider trading. I uh yeah, I've I've never been like a big I don't play fantasy football like with other I'm not in a league. I've typically not liked filling out NCAA brackets, you know, during mm-hmm. uh during the March Madness, but I don't know DraftKings. Every now and then, I'll I'll do a daily, really daily fantasy. Yeah. Have you ever won? I've won a few bucks. Yeah. I mean, so, not a lot. An, I don't so how's that work? You have an account and they put it in there and yeah, 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 yeah. Or they yeah. take it out. Or they take it. Or they take it out. Yeah. Wow. I've gone from I've gone from you know not much money to zero. Really? Years. But yeah, I mean it's but not like I haven't lost a ton of money. But I, I'm actually up right now with this. Actually, one of my best weekends was the NFC Championship game when I had. Brady and uh, you know Mike Evans o- over Green Bay, of, yeah, yeah, and a bunch of I had a bunch of people in that game, wow, who did very well that game, and and so uh, did okay that weekend. So yeah, well, fun. check it out. Um, the newsletter is uh, every every week, every day, every week, and it's uh, from Tom Jones at Pointer dot org. Tommy, great talking to you, man. We'll do it again. Sounds good. 